Stay connected and never miss a beat with AT&T. Our reliable network covers more roads than any other carrier, ensuring you're always in the loop. Whether it's tournament upsets, buzzer beaters, or social media buzz, stay up to date. Don't let the action pass you by. Check if you're eligible for a free trial of in-car Wi-Fi at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. And keep the madness going. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Bosch at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Welcome to Big Blue Kickoff Live, presented by Cadillac, the official luxury vehicle of the New York football giants. Thanks for being with us, Madeline Burke and Lance Meadow with you. The phone number here is 201-939-4513. Find us on Twitter at hashtag Giants Chat. I'm at Madeline Burke. He's at Lance Meadow, M-E-D-O-W. There you go. And as a reminder, you can find <laughs> the archive of this show and our entire podcast network on the Giants mobile app, podcast platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. Lance, I'm thrilled to be doing my first BBK with you. Absolutely. Yes, the feeling is mutual. We'll see how this experiment and what the callers bring to the table, but it's always going to be an adventure here on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Always a good time. Always a good time getting the callers involved. And again, 201-939-4513 is the number. Listen, it's a short week. The Giants are still out in Arizona. We're shaking things up all across the board uh, as we rework the schedule because... uh, it's a short week. I mean, Thursday night football, Giants headed to Arizona and, of course, or to San Francisco. And, of course, a big news, Lance. We saw Saquon Barkley dealing with that ankle injury um, in Sunday's game. Not likely or not expected to play reports that he could be out for a few weeks. And like a sprained ankle, ain't nothing to play with. So what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, you certainly don't want to mess with this. You look at Saquon's history, Madeline. This is the third time in five years that he's dealt with some type of an ankle injury. In 2019, he missed three games. 2021, he missed four. So unfortunately, this is nothing new. But to your point, especially on a quick turnaround, it goes without saying you never want to put a player in a position where he's going to aggravate it. And you don't want to bring him back too soon because we've seen whether it's ankle injuries, hamstring issues, calf issues, you name it. You know, a player comes back, tries to overdo it. And then what appears to be a two to three week injury becomes a lingering seven, eight-week injury, God forbid. Right. So this, to me, is a no-brainer. You sit him, you rest him, you let him take his time. I know you just mentioned there are multiple reports. The team is not admitting anything in terms of timeline. So you do the math. Could he come back, Madeline, for the Sunday night Bills game? If you go and look at the next three weeks, possibly. But, you know, once again, every ankle injury is different. And just because he missed three to four games 
the last time doesn't mean that it's going to follow the exact same game plan. Right. And like you said, every ankle in injury is different. You look at an injury like this and there could be a projected timeline, but you know, the way it's handled, the travel, all that, it, it comes into play. But sure. one interesting part about this schedule that the Giants have right now is they've got a Thursday night game this week. Their next game isn't until a Monday night, uh, October 2nd at home uh, against the Seahawks. So when you have that big of a stretch in between games too, whether or not it helps take one, I think in general, the health of the team will be benefited by that long gap between weeks three and four. Yeah, and that holds true for a bunch of the other players like a Ben Bredesen who's right. in concussion protocol. I mean, the chances of him playing Thursday, just my personal opinion, I think are very slim because sure. normally guys need about a full week to get through concussion protocol. So that'll help him. And then even a guy like Andrew Thomas. Yeah, but if the he doesn't suit up on Thursday, now you have an extended week till the next game against the Seattle Seahawks. So the schedule cooperates from that standpoint. But I think as far as Saquon Barkley is concerned, you can imagine how frustrated he must be because the last thing you want to have to go through, given A, the contractual situation. But putting that aside, to me, it's more of he's been through this before. And right. he understands, okay, here we go, what the rehab process is going to be like. I know a lot of people are looking at he took his helmet off and he threw it down and everybody saw that image. I mean, to me, I think he was just coming to the grips in the moment. If this turns out to be... What right. I went through in the previous years, he's sort of embracing mentally, okay, there's going to be a multi-week thing, and this is the last thing that I want to have to go through right out of the gates in week two. Right, and of course of course, the frustration is completely relatable, right? You go through that, you feel it, you know. He knew right away that he had something wrong. He was oh, yeah. limping up and down the sideline. You sure. saw him throw in that helmet because he was frustrated the fact that he's back on the field with his teammates. They agreed to terms on a deal. They're out there. And it's like, no, I don't want to miss this. We're doing something special. And this is, of course, late in the fourth corner amidst a comeback that this team was putting together. They had not yet fully completed it yet, too. So I think he was experiencing not just the frustration of the coming weeks, but of the moment of, look at this, we're almost there. We're almost across the goal line and getting this comeback done. It, it's relatable to say, oh, I just want to be out there with my teammates and helping them get get this. Well, plus he had one of the biggest runs down the stretch, yeah. that run where he made about 75 other guys miss and then oh you know was weaving in and out of traffic. So we know what he's capable of doing and mm -hmm. how much of a game changer he is. And I know a lot of people are now wondering, okay, moving forward, how do you fill the void? Right. Well, the good news is they have some depth. Matt Breida, he's been in the system. He's been with Brian Dable going back to their Buffalo days. And he actually is a former San Francisco 49er right. himself. And Eric Gray, they just drafted and they have Gary Brightwell so you're not pressed upon an issue where it's a numbers game I think you have three guys that bring something a little bit different to the table but I mean let's not be naive Madeline Saquon brings an element to the running game sure. that none of those three other guys can do and from San Francisco's defensive standpoint right you're mm -hmm. preparing for the Giants on a quick turnaround it's a lot easier to digest the fact that you got to deal with those three guys as opposed to trying to chase down Saquon Barkley it'd be the equivalent of if you took Christian McCaffrey right. out of the lineup for the Niners, right, and you started to turn to the backups, the Giants is certainly not losing sleep over that. That's a pleasant surprise to them. So it's the equivalency from that standpoint. But I think if the Giants' offensive line can piggyback off of what it did against Arizona, there's no reason why they can't have a semblance of a run game. It's just you're not going to have maybe those same back-breaking plays that Saquon Barkley presents. Yeah, and just want to give a quick hat tip too to Matt Breida because Matt Breida coming in in the fourth quarter cold, right? He's cold off the bench and getting that five-yard run and 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 making an impact right away. 
I think this is a guy, too, if given the rock, if given opportunity in San Francisco, the place he started his career as an undrafted free agent in 2017. He led the 49ers in rushing in 2018. He was a part of the 49ers team that made it to the Super Bowl in 2019. He wasn't on the active roster for the game, um, but they, you know, the, the Niners lost to the Chiefs, of course, that year. But this is a team that he's got a lot of memories for. And there's always, I don't care what anybody says, if you're playing against a team that you've spent significant time at, you want to show them what they're missing, right? Sure. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to be on his mind. It'll be and on his mind, yeah. For him, it's a nice, unexpected opportunity, right? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, the last thing you're thinking about is a teammate like Saquon Barkley going down. But Breida, Brightwell, and Gray, I think they all have different skill sets. Sure. So the positive is, A, there's not a lot of film of Eric Gray. Exactly. Because he's only had two games into his career, and he's mostly been a special teamer. Then you look at Gary Brightwell. There's also been some flashes. I actually thought Brightwell did a nice job last season mm-hmm. in some spot duty. If you look at the majority of his runs, I mean, more often than not, he was getting at least five yards per carry. So, you know, that's more of the big bruiser element that he brings into play. And then Matt Breed, as you mentioned, he's the polished veteran. Right. So if you have a key third down and ball security is a concern, I'd say you put Breed into the equation. He could also catch the ball in the backfield. So from that standpoint, it's going to be more of the equivalent of in baseball, the bullpen by committee, Mm -hmm. running back by committee, I think is how the Giants will approach moving forward in the absence of Saquon Barkley. Also, Brightwell's a special teamer, Madeline, and Eric Gray is now involved in the returns. Not to say that you'd overdo it, but I think you want to take that into consideration, especially a young guy like Eric Gray. You don't want to throw out X amount of carries, especially on a Thursday night game that quickly. So that's more of a reason why I think it makes sense to try to tap into all three backs. Right. And, you know, Gray has been involved in the returns, as you mentioned, too, despite the fact that he did it less than a dozen times in four years of college between Oklahoma and Tennessee. Like, this is something that is still new for him. Uh, but he's been doing pretty well. He did quite well with it last week. And uh, he's another guy who's known to catch the ball out of the backfield and have those similar skill sets. It's just what he's been asked to do so far. Um, the fact that there's not a lot of tape on him could be a benefit for this team in general. Um, but also you mentioned the offensive line and the rework of what we saw last week. You saw Zudu getting the start at left guard or left tackle. You saw uh, McKeithen at right guard, essentially the rookie McKeithen because he's getting a mulligan year. He was out all last year with the ACL. Um, the uh, Glowinski coming in at left guard, despite the fact that he's been working mostly on the right side, you know, kind of figuring some things out early on, but getting it done. And they were giving Daniel Jones time to throw the ball. Yeah, and that was the biggest difference, especially in the second half, Madeline, when they had a number of chunk-slash-explosive plays. Right. Because unlike the Dallas game, Yeah, Daniel, Daniel Jones, wasn't getting touched. Yeah, he had an opportunity to survey the field. Now, I will say this. A positive development, but there's a distinct difference between what Arizona presents on the defensive side of the ball versus what San Francisco presents. And San Francisco, Absolutely. to me, is more in the range of Dallas. So like, you take what is offered to you based on the matchup, but it is a matchup-oriented league. So what I mean is just because you fared well against Arizona does not necessarily mean it's going to be duplicated against San Francisco. I think this is going to be a really good test for this reworked offensive line to determine, okay, can they duplicate what we saw against Arizona, or was it more of a product of the Cardinals with Dennis Gardeck being their best pass rusher is not the same level of intensity that San Francisco brings to the table. Right, but coming off of that, you know, that comeback, that win, that 31 points in the second half, the incredible performance offensively that they had in that second half of the game, going in to face this Niners defense, which is exponentially harder to go against. I think that that confidence is going to be a little bit helpful in that preparation week as well. Well, a completely different story than if you wind up losing this last game and you don't score any points again. And yeah, Yeah. you can imagine mentally where the team would be. 
But, you know, we've also seen this Giants team, and I go back to last season, Madeline, and I think there's some weight put in this because it was the same coaching staff. They only lost two games in a row once. That was it. Right. So this team has a track record, at least under Dable, small sample size of bouncing back, regardless of what the circumstances are. Daniel Jones also has a very good track record based on yeah, his record. What, he was 8-1-1 one, one entering the Sunday game. So now 9-1-1. Right. One, one. So all of those, I think, were positives, even if, God forbid, to your point, they didn't have that historical comeback and regroup against Arizona. I don't know if I would be saying to myself, oh, I'm worried about how the team's going to react against San Francisco because, once again, I think they've proven they don't let one baggage, one right. game carry over to the next. Exactly, exactly. And you know what? Fresh slate credit to the coaching staff for keeping them focused on that. And Giants fans, join us on Thursday, September 21st at BK Backyard in Brooklyn to watch the Giants take on San Francisco for Thursday night football, enjoy Modelo drink specials, meet a Giants legend, and enter a raffle to win game tickets and more. Visit Giants.com slash Bar Network to learn more. B-A-R-N-E. Oh, Bar Network. There we go. I'm like, how does that? <laughs> yes, you know what? That Arizona State education coming in handle. I'm like, what does this say? Bar Network. Anyway, Bar Network. Uh, all right. That's a mouthful. You yes. know what? That's okay. I can read, y'all. Um, and <laughs> just make sure you go and subscribe to the Giants Huddle podcast. It features long-form interviews with Giants players, coaches, and front office staff, past and present. Plus, hear from the best analysts covering Big Blue and the NFL. Search for Giants Huddle and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or go to Giants.com slash podcast. And don't forget, if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star positive review for all our Giants podcasts. 201-939-4513 is the phone number. The phone lines are filling up, starting with Tom in Stratford. What's going on, Tom? Hi, Madeline. Hi, Lance. How are you guys today? Doing, doing right. well. Doing well. Thanks. Yeah, the uh, tenor of my uh, call has changed three times. Uh, at halftime on Sunday, I was ready to jump off my balcony. And then at the end of the game, I was happy again. <laughs> and then after watching last night's game, I just got sick to my stomach watching uh, Chubb get hurt. Sure. And uh, I don't know. Uh, I've, I've called during the summer numerous times, hopping on um, the players standing firm against an 18-game season, demanding better benefits, more um, care after their playing career is over. I mean, you look at Chubb; he's one of the fastest guys on the planet, and he's going to need a walker when he's 50 years old now. Yeah. And it just it breaks my heart. And um, and the NFL has so much money, uh, they can easily cover uh, taking care of their, their players after their careers are over. And, um, but be that as it may, uh, I just want to say also, I thought the um, two other things. I thought the announcers really stunk. I don't know what game they were watching, but uh, when they were questioning why um, uh, Bredesen was coming out, I mean, if you looked at the replay, you saw him get smashed in the head by yeah. another player. And then you saw him with, you know, lights were on, but no one was home while he's on the ground. And they're like, oh, I think it's his leg. No, it's not his leg, you moron. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously his head. So, and then, and then there was another play where some receiver came out and he was, and Banks was on him and it was in the flat. And he's like, oh, he's like, I'm, I'm, get, get away from me, you little tiny cornerback. Uh, the guy ended up losing a yard in that play. Banks beat him to the sideline. So, and then finally, did anyone? I don't know if you guys noticed this, but sometime in the first half, when Danny scrambled and he ran out of bounds into the uh, 
sideline on uh, Arizona. One of the players went up to them and yelled at him, ha, ha, and Danny said something real quick to him. But, you know, the game is two halves long. So I was wondering if anyone ever went back to that player on Arizona and asked him if he wanted to uh, laugh at Danny again. So... All right, Tom. Um, well, that's appreciate the. That's not a problem. Appreciate the phone call. Thanks. That was call. a full broadcasting commentary in terms of the ins and the outs of the broadcast. I don't personally read too much into the war of words that occurs during the course of a game. I think that's just the emotional flow oh, yeah. of a contest. So, I mean, I wouldn't be looking to that as a turning point as to that igniting the Giants' comeback. I think they just executed a lot better in the second half. And Madeline goes back to what we talked about earlier in the program when the offensive line gives your quarterback time mm-hmm. and you got the playmaker. You're going to see those results. Also, the defense stepped up, got three and outs on the last two possessions, which was critical. Because remember, in the second half, when you're down by that much, it's the element of time that you're fighting against. You're not just fighting the opponent. You're fighting time. And if you go back and you look at the five scoring drives, and I wrote about this on Giants Cover 4, it was 14 plays of 10 or more yards in the second half, Madeline. They only had three of that kind in yeah. the first half. Yeah. So that's 14 first downs that we're talking about. I mean, that's a huge volume, and you're getting these big chunk plays so you don't have to put together 15-play 90-yard drives. If the Giants had to do that, if they were methodically moving up and down the field in the second half, this comeback probably doesn't come to fruition right, because no. they just don't have the luxury and the time to do that. It was the fact that you had the big bomb to Jalen Hyatt and then he had another 30-yard pass and you had Darius Slayton and Isaiah Hodgins and Waller, but chunks, mm-hmm. 15 yards here, 20 yards here. That's what helped mount the comeback. There was none of that whatsoever in the first half. Well, and that's what this offseason really has prioritized building in this offense, right? Is prioritize finding the tools and finding the the assets to build an offense that can get you those chunk plays, something that the Giants struggled with in years past. And it, it seemed almost as though the Giants in the first half of the game against Arizona were playing with a little PTSD off of, off of Dallas, right? They were playing expecting that same level of pressure, expecting that same level of uh, attack on the quarterback. And it really took a while to realize, like, oh, wait, no, we do have a little bit of time here. We do actually have the ability to give Daniel a time to send these guys down the field and get those chunk plays. And you saw that, that very first drive out of the half, you know, that 58-yard oh, yeah. pass to Hyatt. Then Daniel Jones runs it in, and it's like, boom, 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 you're on the scoreboard. Um, but the defense as well, they didn't really kind of find their rhythm until late. Defense didn't force a punt until, what, the fourth quarter? Yep. Um, and they didn't have a three and out until then as well. So it took a while for things to come together. But offense leading to defense, leading to offense, leading to defense, the momentum as well uh, is an important part to, to notice. And you look forward here, and there obviously are a variety of things that need to change on right. both facets of the team, but you brought up the defense. The alarming aspect to me through two games is the fact that there's no sacks and no takeaways. Right. And it's very hard to survive, Madeline, in this league when you don't have you don't necessarily need five sacks a game, but you need some disruptive form of play Sure, that is going to either change field position or alleviate things for your offense. And Arizona, once again, they were very fortunate that the offense was able to overcome some of the defensive shortcomings. You go up against a team like San Francisco, 
where they're very elusive. They're To me, the best way to describe the Niners, they're a slippery team. Yeah. Guys like Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, just when you think you have them down, they make a twirl, they make a spin, and then what should be a three-yard gain turns into 15. So you look at James Conner and what he was able to do, mm-hmm. yeah, they can't repeat that in terms of the missed tackling. You got to bring these guys down or else that's going to come back to bite you. And if you can't rely on sacks and takeaways to do some damage control, you know that's where all of a sudden it comes back to bite you. Well, the other point, too, is, I mean, you look at Wink's defense and you think of Wink Martindale defense, you think about blitz, right? I mean, this man calls blitz in preseason. He loves a blitz. But yeah. despite leading the league in calling up the blitz on 39.7% of the time last year, they've only dialed up the blitz about 14.3% of the time this year. That's not a lot in comparison. And you might say, well, why? You look at the way that these games have panned out. First of all, the Cowboys offense didn't even get on the field until late in the first quarter. Because of game flow. Because yeah. of game flow. And because of game flow, there were less passing plays there were less dropbacks there were less of those blitzable opportunities so I do anticipate that that will change based on game flow and I mean Xavier McKinney was talking about that earlier this week he said hey we just got to be patient not try to get out of the framework of our defense what wink calls stick to the plan we know they'll come in bunches and that's kind of how they do right sacks takeaways they often come in bunches and even though this defense isn't a prior one that uh, schematically seems to prioritize interceptions and takeaways. You know, a lot of the guys personally are prioritizing it and are saying, hey, you know what, we're, we're going to get to the ball. Well, you look at last season, they had six interceptions. That was tied for dead last with the Raiders in the NFL. They were mm-hmm. not a big opportunistic team from that standpoint. As far as total takeaways, as I bring up my chart from last season, they had 19. They did have 13 fumble recoveries. But that's also a bit of a fluky statistic because sometimes the ball has to bounce your way. Right. And you can knock the ball out, but Madeline, if you're not in position to recover it... If they recover it again. Yeah, the opposition yeah. can recover it. So you just you never know how that's going to play out. And I think the reason why they're not... Wink's defense is as opportunistic as if he plays a lot of man, and actually he has not played a lot of that in the first two games, and I think maybe that's a product of two young corners getting their feet wet. Your corners are more concerned with playing the man Mm -hmm. as opposed to playing the ball. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but that's just the nature of the beast. Right. Even though uh, Sunday, Hawkins had his hands on it, came down, the the ground forced it out, but it was like, oh, you know, you wanted that for the young guy, too, because this is a guy, six-round pick out of Old Dominion, getting the starting role, and almost had a great pick in that spot as well, but... uh, you know, they, they come in the moments, and it's it's about what you do in that moment, too. And if it's an almost, it doesn't show up on a stat sheet. Yeah, it's just one of those close plays, and also it will have to sit in your memory because there's yeah. really there's no statistical category no. in the NFL that says you had three close fumble recoveries. <laughs> you got a hand on it, kid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you don't get any brownie points for that. Just like interceptions, right. they don't give you context to when it goes off of an individual's fingertips, like in Daniel's case, right? Right. Went off of Saquon Barkley, and then the first one against Dallas also yeah. was a deflection. All of that is important to tell the story as every turnover tells a completely different narrative and so forth but to me it's maybe it's not so much the takeaways here it's about can you get the quarterback hits and the sacks up right can you do that and Brock Purdy is a mobile quarterback he's a guy that can move out of the pocket and he likes to lean on his playmakers so that's why you got to find that middle ground where you could disrupt him but you also you can't sacrifice being out of position Madeline because Mm -hmm. once again if the Niners have an opening You go back to that Rams game on Sunday, you know, a lot of those plays, Debo Samuel had a touchdown. Purdy dumped it off to him in the left flat, and he zigzagged in and out of traffic. There must have been at least five or six missed tackles Mm -hmm. on that play. That's why that has to be more of the emphasis on a short week. You want to get the takeaways. You want to get the sacks. But if there's any game where you got to get back to the fundamentals and keep 
big play potential in check. To me, it's Thursday night against the Niners. Absolutely. Absolutely. Giants fans, take your fandom to the next level with a season ticket membership. Stay connected to the club all year round, not just on game days. Memberships are now available for the 2023 season. To learn more about the exclusive member benefits, visit Giants.com slash tickets. Limited inventory is available. 201-939-4513. Joey from Florida is on the line. Joey, how's it going? Hey, folks. How you doing today? Doing Good well. Right. How are you? Um, so my question uh, – I'm good, thank you. Good. Um, my question is in regards to our uh, edge play. Um, so according to Pro Football Reference, last year the Giants ranked sixth in pressure rate, um, which – as was 24.3%, but this season they've fallen all the way to 18th. Um, I'm, I'm concerned about Aziz uh, and his injury history. You know, the best ability uh, for a person in the NFL is their availability. Yep. Um, and, you know, that it's become evident that he's not reliable in that aspect. And um, Kayvon Thibodeau, um, he played 94% of the snaps on Sunday and he only had one quarterback hit. Um, well, overall, know, in fairness, covered. overall, the entire team has not had many quarterback hits. Right. I mean, I understand you want more right. production out of him, no disagreement, but to just pinpoint one, I think, is not necessarily telling the whole story because the whole team needs to increase in that department. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was going to say, I know that is because he also dropped into coverage, and that's because of Wink Martindale's scheme. Um, what do you need to see? Um, from like Wink Martindale or just the edge group overall in order to, you know, get those, get those takeaways, get those sacks. And, you know, when do we push the panic button on Aziz specifically? Um, you know, if he just can't stay healthy and like, do you see them going out and maybe trading for a veteran or uh, what do you think the solution is? Well, I don't know about, um, yeah, I don't know about here. training for a veteran, Joanne. I appreciate the phone call because I think once again, you still need to develop the young guys on this roster and there's no guarantee that a team is going to give up a premier edge rusher considering once you get them, usually retain them, you give them the franchise tag and you sign them. So I don't know how realistic that is. As far as hitting the panic button, I would agree with you. I said this before the season started, Madeline. Aziz, to me, is the X factor this year. Yeah. Because if he could stay on the field, now you have a complimentary piece to Kayvon Thibodeau. Unfortunately, right out of the gates, he's already dealing with the injury. And he was a limited participant in Monday's practice. They had a walkthrough, so this was yeah. a projection. A projection, but yeah. hamstring injuries are tricky. I mean, we were talking about the ankle with Saquon. Mm -hmm. Hamstrings... Andrew Thomas is dealing with one. You bring back a guy too soon, he aggravates it, and then all of a sudden he's out another month. So I understand if the Giants want to take a very practical approach to not rush it because you want, to the caller's point, you want him to get on the field sooner rather than later. You want him to be a spectator. As far as moving forward, what they have to do is they have to disrupt the quarterback. The way you get takeaways is you hit the quarterback's arm, the ball flies up defensive back is in the right place at the right time. Mm -hmm. You hit the quarterback in the right spot. He loses the ball. Look at the Brown-Steelers game last night. My right. goodness. Oh. It was a turnover fiesta. Left and right. It, really it was, was one issue after another. Why? Because they were hitting Deshaun Watson, the Steelers. And as a result, they got two turnovers, which resulted in touchdowns. So the easy answer is you got to impact the quarterback. And I'm bringing up the numbers. 
they barely got a piece of Dak. But as you brought up, game flow didn't game allow flow. them to yeah. get after Dak. Okay, now game flow, I would argue, Madeline, against the Cardinals, allowed for more opportunities. True. Against True. Joshua Dobbs, especially in the second half yeah. when the game is becoming more competitive. He did a nice job, Dobbs. I thought he looked much more comfortable than in week one against Washington. You could see he was on the right page with his personnel. But you've got to make him think twice about where he wants to go with the ball. And they did have six quarterback hits. So that was a step in the right direction. Yeah, No sacks, but six quarterback hits. I think as the quarterback hits go up, what tends to follow is the sacks mm-hmm. will come. So if I were to give you a volume number, and I don't know how realistic this is, but if you continue to get into that six to eight quarterback hit territory, the Giants, it's not going to be too long before they start getting at least a sack or two per game. But that's the number you want. You can't have games where you have two, maybe three quarterback hits. That has to be higher than five to make a true impact here. Right. And as caller mentioned, you know, 18th in the league in pressure percentage, 19.3%. It's not it's not terrible. It's not terrible, but it's it's again game flow, especially in week one, playing into that number. Week two Yes, there were more opportunities they could have capitalized on. They did get six hits, as you mentioned, six quarterback hits. But it's building off of that. And it's all these almost moments that we talk about that just don't show up in the stat sheet. I mean, I remember Leonard Williams' first year here. He was like the king of the almost moment. He'd get there, disrupt a play, and do something that would affect a play but wouldn't show up on a stat sheet. And so if you're looking at the stat sheet, you're like, where's Leonard Williams? But you're watching the film, you're like, oh, okay. You you know, that almost is the enemy of excellent right there. Um, and, you know, you, you talk about these hamstring injuries. Too. Oh, go ahead. You had something. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. Get to I was going to say, you yeah. talk about these hamstring injuries, too. And they are, like you said, they are the, the biggest, not Achilles heel, they are the biggest hamstring of athletes because you come pun back. Pun intended. Yes. right? You come back from it and you feel like, okay, I'm ready to go. I can do it. I can run. I can, I can do everything I want to do. But then you get in game speed. And that just that next level, that twitch, that it's just not there. They have these um, machines in the training room called a Nord board that actually test how much strain and how much um, ability your hamstring, how much strength your hamstring has, because there's so much science that goes into just getting the hamstring. You'll feel like, no, no, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm fine. I'm hundred percent. And it's like, no, you're not. And so getting that one, especially to be right uh, is important because if you come back too soon, you'll tweak it and it'll be an extra few weeks. Well, I think it goes to what you're saying. There's a distinct difference. And this applies to Saquon Barkley's ankle injury. You could feel good, but if you can't cut, right. if you don't have that speed aspect you're going into the game handicap. Right. And the defense is going to eventually get a read on you. No different than if you ask the elite pass rushers in this league, Madeline, if Andrew Thomas were to play with a hamstring issue, and we saw it in the Dallas game, I mean, he was trying to give it his all, but you knew he wasn't anywhere close to maybe even 85%. The pass rushers lining up opposite you, they sense that. They know what they can then do to get an edge on you. So sometimes a player, he may be good enough to get into a game but he's not at the point where he could be as effective from a football standpoint. Right. Well, and speaking, that's where you have to draw the line. And speaking of injury, we've got some injury news right here. Um, Brian Dable reportedly interrupted a question about the widely reported timeline on Saquon's return and says the running back has not even been ruled out for Thursday's game. Uh, Tom Rock tweeting that he spoke with Barkley this morning. He is feeling better, quote, considerable progress in the past day or so is the phrase that Dable used. Uh, Ryan Dunleavy tweeting that, Dable says he's a, quote, quick healer, expects to be a game-time decision Thursday uh, against San Francisco. So major plot twist right here. Um, (laughs) Is this, you know, is this a little gamesmanship? Is this just, you know, does Saquon suddenly have Wolverine healing abilities? 
remains to be seen. But wanted to keep you guys up to date because, of course, Brian Dable is addressing the Giants uh, media pool right now, the press pool right now in Arizona. Well, I will say this. Brian Dable is the king of plot twists when it comes to interacting <laughs> with the media. So I love it. I can't say I'm surprised to hear him say that. I mean, he wasn't even ruling out Andrew Thomas right. leading up to the Arizona game. Right. So keep in mind, Brian Dable is a product of the Bill Belichickian school of thought, yeah. as I like to call it. He graduated from New England. He was up close and personal with Bill. He knows all the tricks to the trade. And listen, he's of no obligation to tell San Francisco what exactly they're thinking or the well-being of their players. So I wouldn't expect anything different from Brian Dable. But there is a distinct difference between what he knows deep down inside versus what he is bringing to the table with respect to the media. My personal opinion, and this is just me speaking, I'd be very surprised if Saquon Barkley plays Thursday. I'd be very surprised if Ben Bredesen plays on Thursday. I'm not saying Dable's going to come out and already rule them out a day or two before, but you do the math. (laughs) You put logic together, highly unlikely those guys are going to be out there. Highly unlikely indeed, but I guarantee we'll see a few headlines about oh, sure. Saquon Absolutely. Barkley could play Thursday, and our well, callers we, and listeners are going to be like, wait, what? We need to build it up to Thursday's game. You, you know, know, there is still a day between the, the drama. contest here. Exactly. It's yes. a primetime yeah. matchup. The drama needs to be there. Let's add um, to it. Let's yeah. add to it. Hey, Giants fans, run or walk with Giants legends. The Giants Foundation will host a 5K race and kids run presented by Quest on Sunday, October 8th at 9 a.m. at MetLife Stadium. Net proceeds will benefit the Giants Foundation. All participants will receive a commemorative t-shirt and after the race stay for a post-race festival with appearances by Giants legends and a live DJ. Register now at Giants.com slash 5K. See, 5K is so much easier to read than and Bar Network. Bar Network. What you were or saying. Yeah. Barn at work. Either way. I don't know. 201-939-4513 is the number. Big Blue Kickoff Live with Madeline and Lance. Uh, we've got Jim in New York on the line. Jim, how's it going? Hey, how are you today? Good, thanks. You're right. A uh, couple of quick questions. First of all, it's some uh, gamesmanship by Dave's, obviously, with this. Uh, sure. A little uh, bit. Saquon Barkley thing. Just a tad. <laughs> if he plays, uh, I'll probably be his backup, so I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, you know, it's really strange is uh, the previous regime um, – passed on Micah McFad, McFadden, um, or not Micah McFadden, excuse me, uh, Parsons. And that sort of set us back a couple of years, in my opinion. Um, I, didn't we pass on him and trade down to get Kadarius yeah, Tony? Yeah, that was the yeah. trade to move to get Kadarius Tony, correct. Yeah. Okay, uh, probably probably one of the worst moves in the history of football, uh, but we have, to, we have to live with that. Because if we had, Mike, uh, if we had Parsons, we wouldn't have had to draft Kayvon Thibodeau, which, to be perfectly honest with you, that, uh, at this point, I know it's only been you know a season and two games, but he's a total whiff. Um, I haven't seen anything. I mean, he, he had a few good games last year. Uh, he sacked uh, a third-string quarterback in Washington, recovered the fumble, and went into the end zone, and he had a few decent games late. But if you look at him this year, he's nowhere near the play. Uh, I know he plays a lot of positions. He's a one-trick pony when he rushes the passer. He goes on the outside. He never twists on the inside. I don't. I don't understand how you can't teach somebody to twist. Um, I, I just really completely disappointed in him. And and truthfully, I'd be very surprised if in two years he's in a giant uniform. I don't see anything from him at all. I like your opinion on that. 
Well, they need to be more disruptive. I don't dispute that. I'd say the whole team. Clearly, it starts with your premier pass rusher. I think Kayvon would be the first one to admit that the production needs to skyrocket. Aziz Ojolari needs to get on the field. He needs to stay healthy. I mean, that is obviously the most prevalent item that they need to address moving forward because if they don't disrupt the quarterback, you're not going to get sacks and you're not going to get takeaways. So I think it goes without saying. As far as the Micah Parsons point, and Micah is an absolute disruptor, but in fairness, when we make the argument overall of the coulda, woulda, shoulda game, we don't know if the Giants would have even taken Micah Parsons if they didn't trade with the Bears. Let's not forget about that. Rashawn Slater, by the way, was still on the board. He went 13th to the Chargers. Maybe they take Rashawn Slater. So I don't know if it's a guarantee they take Micah Parsons. I know everybody wants to play that game, but it's possible the Giants stay at 11 and they take a different player. Mm -hmm. You have to at least take that into consideration. I do. I took it in consideration. The only thing, I mean, the rumors were a few years ago that he was a little bit of a head case. Um, and that's one of the reasons. Well, there were some off-the-field the questions, too, of course. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. So they. So that's one of the reasons why they, I, I think they traded down to get somebody else, which turned out to be a terrible move. But now, truthfully, it was the same thing about Kayvon Thibodeau. They, there was questions about what his, uh, his, his conduct of being a, a player is, too. So you passed, you, you traded down to pass on a guy that you thought may had some off-the-field issues. He, he's like all-world. All and then uh, two years later, you take a guy with the exact same thing with half the talent. Well, I mean, once again, we, we could sit here and play the coulda, woulda, shoulda game, and I appreciate the phone call. You know, the other thing not to overlook is the fact that you don't get Darren Waller and Trey Hawkins. Exactly, because the assets pick. used in the Tony. So, right. you know, there's a trade-off here. I understand Micah Parsons is probably going to go down as a generational talent. I right. mean, clearly he's showcasing that in a very limited resume, but you don't get some of those other pieces on the defensive and the offensive side of the ball. So you got to look at it from that standpoint as well. Right. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. You can look back and say coulda, woulda, shoulda. But you're right. If if they had ended up with Michael Parsons, there are so many domino effects that wouldn't have fallen the same way. Uh, they would have had different draft picks in the subsequent years. They wouldn't have had the Kadarius Tony uh, trade, which like you said, the third rounder went to um, the Raiders for Darren Waller. The sixth yep. rounder went to drafting Trey Hawkins, both impactful players on this current iteration of the Giants. So Butterfly effect, sliding doors, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, you look back at it and it, it, it's just, it would, so many things would be different. Well, the other thing that I want to add, Madeline, is uh, the last caller said that they moved down perhaps, or at least was alluding to it, because maybe there were questions about Micah Parsons. And once again, we don't know the conversation that went on in the draft room, but what I would add is I think a big part of the reason why they moved down is to get the additional first round pick. Right. Because they looked at the roster and said, if we could gain an additional asset the following year in 2022, which they did yeah. when they drafted Kayvon and Evan Neal, that that would be now adding one guy on each side of the ball as opposed to if you stay put you don't have the additional first round pick now it's a business result oriented right situation that we're talking about here meaning that if you pick two guys in the first round and they don't pan out volume's great but it's yeah. all about what have you done for me lately i get that but i think part of the motivation was to get the additional first round pick not necessarily you're worried about who you may have considered selecting there and if you get the first round pick the additional first round pick and a player that you have scouted and you believe does have potential in this league then it works out in that moment you're going into this not thinking oh this guy's going to be a miss you're going into it thinking this is going to be a, a player that can impact our roster as is and then we also have an additional asset down the way you never know in those moments that you're making the right call or the wrong call. You just do your best with the information that you've got. 
Um, the 2023 NFL schedule is officially out, and single t- single game tickets are on sale now. Don't miss the Giants at MetLife Stadium this season. Visit Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat. 201-939-4513. Dave in Cranford is on the line. Dave, you're on with Madeline and Lance. All right, LT was picked third, so whatever. We could talk about this all day. It yeah, drives me crazy. Exactly. So whatever. Um, I love how Dayball handles the media. He treats them like mushrooms. <laughs> keep them in the keep them in the dark and feed them some other stuff. So um, I love that. I think he's brilliant. I don't think Barkley plays, but I. I uh, so I, I guess I you know I'm always big on on the coaching, and I really think that you know uh, Sunday's game was a real reflection of the coaching. I and I really liked. Um, I think the biggest thing coming out of Sunday was the play of. Um, you know, Azudu and McKeithen. And not only in that game, I thought they both played well, um, but I think what those two could give to this staff going forward, just a little bit of depth and flexibility, depending when other guys come back. Um, I don't think McKeithen's going to be moved out of right guard anytime soon with the way he played. I think Azudu showed himself to be very flexible, um, and I think that was, was really, really good, and I think it was a an important change and ironically you know they bench Glowinski and next thing you know he's in and, and played well at, at a different position so um, I thought that was a great move by the, by the coaching staff well what it is a reflection of is it's a reflection of well before the season starts you prepare these guys for those spots by having them take practice reps that to me is what Sunday was a product of right. you don't get that if Josh Azudu doesn't get opportunities to line up at left tackle leading up to the last few games. You don't get that unless you move Marcus McKeithen into guard. I mean, they had mixing and matching situations play out during the course of practice, and that's why I don't think it was a rude awakening. Not to mention, those two guys at North Carolina Mm -hmm. moved around a lot. And this goes back to the draft and how you construct your roster. You can't draft offensive linemen who only play one spot because you're not going to get through the season with five guys playing all 17 games. So by the Giants going out and finding players that assume guard and tackle spots, it gave them a lot more versatility to play with. But I think the practice reps those two guys got was huge to make them feel comfortable on Sunday. I agree. And I mean, Zudu, even at Carolina, didn't get a lot of, of reps at tackle, but he did get a lot of reps at tackle in the last two years uh, of training camps and Giants practices as well. Yeah, I agree. And I would just say about this game coming up, guys, I think that um, I, I think you're right, both of you, in terms of the running back uh, depth. I think that um, I think they can get production. I actually think, Lance, you very good point. I, I think Brightwell's a, a, f- a funny runner, man. I think he he's a hard, he's, uh, you know, more of a, he's a, he's a strong runner. And I do think that he, um, you know, will will have a role. You know, I think it'll be limited. I, I do think, you know, we'll we'll see a lot of our of, of our, our main backup. But I think the thing that you you lose with Barkley, which they know, meaning the offensive staff knows, is the amount of attention he gets sure. and the amount yeah. of eyes that go on him. And you know, whether it's in the RPO game or even in the passing game, you saw the touchdown pass. Um, you know. Uh, to Hodgins, you know, there was a lot of there was a double team on on Barkley to the left side that really opened up the path right way for Hodgins to catch that ball. So you're going to lose that. So I really think that this staff is going to look at at Waller and Hyatt as the two other players on the team that 
um, can draw that type of attention, um, particularly Hyatt. You know, um, you know, I think that you're going to see his snap count on Sunday, on on Thursday night increase, even even if his even if his catch count doesn't increase. I think you'll see a snap count increase just because you know they saw on tape, meaning the 49ers saw on tape everything we saw which is this guy can absolutely take the top off of a defense. They're going to be aware of that. Um, I think that's the Giants' best offensive you know, ability to manipulate the defense to open up other things underneath, whether it's for Slayton, whether it's for Waller. Um, that I, I expect to see them, you know, and the one guy that scares me on, on the uh, 49ers more than anybody else is um, is is Fred Warner, their middle linebacker. Yeah. He's, he's, he's just a... He's an underrated, you know, in, in some ways, but unknown, you know. He's not Bosa, he's not Parsons or whatever, but he is as good as it gets. Um, and I think they give them a lot of trouble. But um, but love this coaching staff, love what they're doing. And I think the last thing I'll leave you with is this, and that is I think Daniel Jones is thrilled to get back out there Thursday night. Um, and the reason I say that is because I think he found himself in his own on the second half. I think he was, you know, um, really, you know, uh, dialed in, and I think he wants to get back out there and, and catch that same energy, and uh, I think that's going to be the difference for us. So, thanks, yep. guys. You got it, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate thanks the phone the call. call. And he's right. Fred Warner, nine solo tackles, two assists, and a sack in week two. Uh, game wrecker, and not even the most notable of the defensive players. Well, that's because they got Javon Hargrave, they got Nick Bosa, they got Eric Armstead, who play in front of him. So Casual. he does a nice job of falling under the radar, but putting up numbers that don't go under the radar. Mm-hmm. And yeah, he's a fundamentally sound linebacker. They'll apply pressure with him. He's very good in terms of covering sideline to sideline. He's an active guy. And when you don't have to worry about Saquon Barkley, it does give the defense a little bit more flexibility. Now, as far as the point of Jalen Hyatt and Darren Waller being attention seekers, sure, you just wonder, do they have the flexibility, the Niners, to double some of those guys because they're not worried about bringing an extra guy into the box. See, Arizona, they didn't have that luxury Mm -hmm. because Arizona knew if we let Barkley go wild, they're going to continue to get chunk plays. San Francisco may say, let's see what Matt Breida and Gray and Brightwell could do. Let's well, see if they get the running game going before we adapt and adjust. But also, Lance, there's a player you might be not thinking of in that situation as well, in one Daniel Jones. And what does Daniel Jones do with his Trump. legs as well? And that's also a threat that I think that whether or not Saquon is there, they got to be mindful of Daniel Jones taking off and running as well. No, 100% point well taken. I just think, though, it's a different combination, especially I'll go back to the Eagles. Sure, sure. Jalen Hurts, Miles Sanders, Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott. This was last year. You had to account for on any given play. Right. He can take off. Now that you remove Saquon, I think you're worried about Daniel taking off, but the question is, are you worried about what some of those other running backs do? I think that's why this is a game where if the Giants can establish the run early, you know, that's a game changer because that now gives San Francisco something to think about yeah. because you have to account for Daniel and the rest of the backs. If the Niners could shut down the run game, I think that gives them a little bit more freedom on the back end. I agree. I agree. 201-939-4513. Speaking of the run game, Hugo in New Jersey is online too. Hugo, how's it going? You're on with Madeline and Lance. Yeah. So I, I did I did want to talk about the, the run game, but I'm just going back to one of my off-season predictions. I predicted that by the end of the year, uh, Mark Lewinsky would be riding the pine. Now, John Schmelk adamantly disagreed. 
But here we are, third game of the season, and it's clear that Mark Lewinsky will be on the bench and will be a backup. Well, player. we don't know that. If Bredesen's yeah. out, which he probably will, then he could very well be a left guard. Yeah. You go. So I wouldn't uh, jump the gun so quickly. Yeah, but I'm, I'm saying that's a temporary plug, uh, plug-in player. I mean, when, when Thomas comes back, I think it's pretty clear that Izudo will be playing next to Thomas. And, and I think I made the, that prediction that those two guys have really good feet, so it gives the very athletic left side of the line, and then a big, powerful right side of the line with Neil and McKeithen and then, you know, John Michael Schmitz anchoring. I think that's probably the rest, the best combination. He's, he's a backup player. For injury reasons, he might play this game, but... I just don't see that as the solution. It's either going to be Bredesen or Zudu a left guard going forward. So anyhow, that that was my prediction. Now, so is this a pat on the I, back phone call? Is that what the, I, the purpose it, it of this is. was? I'm it sounds like it. You, you, you must know. have said like three hundred times that this was the prediction you made. I, I think you're on the record. You were actually we're documenting in our computer screen to make sure in case you call up, we're going to have some theme music yeah. the next time to make sure that okay. we. Uh, All I see down here is yes. a sweep of Philly this year. Was that you, Hugo? Oh. It, it was. So okay. we'll, we'll get to that later. Okay. Okay. So yeah, yeah Pearson I, keeps I track the, of these oh, predictions. Oh, he does, man. You know? He's an elephant. He doesn't forget. Pack out. I have the ice pack out. Man. <laughs> <laughs> well, we could tell. And, and, sure. Any, anyhow, anyhow, I, I wholeheartedly disagree with you. I, I think the most alarming thing on defense is the fact that uh, offenses have been able to control the line of scrimmage and run the ball on the Giants despite a very significant focus on stopping the run and the resources that were allocated towards that in the offseason. And and that has some feedback loop to the fact that, you know, it prevents offenses from being consistently in high-pressure situations that then lead to sacks and turnovers. So I, I think it's a little bit of both things, right? But I, But I think stopping the run is potentially one thing we can fix. Uh, and, It'll be a tough uh, one against Christian McCaffrey this week. Yeah, well, James well, Conner well, had nearly I'm, five I'm, yards of carry. So, mm-hmm. And Dallas, well, I pointed out, had a high volume of carries, but they only had four negative runs or no gains. So, yeah, the yeah. run defense needs to improve. But I think the really good teams you go, they could stop the run en route to the quarterback. And also, that's the, what separates okay. the really good defenses. And teams well, have been well, running on the Giants at a volume fifty-one point three percent of the time against the Giants. Only three teams have been run on more than the Giants have been. So teams are so, definitely so, exploiting that. So I, I think our friend Len from Columbia, Maryland, uh, was onto something. He says he wants, uh, if you want to put speed on the field, he was essentially suggesting take out a linebacker, take out the second linebacker, and keep the big guys in the mix up front with a five-man front to set a picket fence and protect those linebackers. So you take out a linebacker, you put a lighter guy in there, maybe your best guy who fills gaps. I I don't know if that's Simmons or Pinnock or Belton or whoever, right? But I I would go even further. I I say put 1,300 pounds up there. I would move Leonard Williams to end. In the, and then three big guys in the middle and Kivido uh, at the end of the line. And going forward, honestly, because Ojolari does not set a good edge, I would make him a situational pass rusher, and maybe that keeps his reps down and keeps him more healthy. But I think for this game, priority should be stop the run, put Purdy in passing situations, and 
then try to take your shots and blitz and do whatever you need to do. But priority should be stop the run. Yeah, well, but once again, it goes beyond that to the standpoint of the tackling has to improve and appreciate the phone call, Hugo, because if you go to the Arizona game, there were a lot of missed tackles. You yeah. know, James Conner would turn what could have been a three-yard run into a 10-yard run. He was carrying guys with Twelve missed tackles. Him. Twelve yeah, missed I mean, tackles That's on too Sunday. high of a volume, and yeah. San Francisco's great at forcing missed tackles because it's not just McCaffrey, it's Debo Samuel, and a lot of their run plays are also by just pitching out into the flat. So, you know, they don't just need to hand off. They'll toss it to Debo Samuel, and then they'll allow him to have some yardage after the catch. So it's tackling. That's why I'm not as consumed with making sure the big boys are up front. And in fairness, they have taken Dexter Lawrence off the field, maybe Mm -hmm. more so than we've seen in the past. Now, you have to do that over the course of a season. You can't have one guy play 95% of the snaps. And I think most people said to themselves, well, if you're bringing in Sean Robinson and Nacho, you have a reason to take Dexter Lawrence off the field because you're not worried. Last season, when they would take Dex off the field, teams would pinpoint who would come in and they would run the ball exactly at that guy. Right. I think with better depth, you figured, okay, that wouldn't happen. So they're still in the experimental phase from that standpoint. But it's not to me just having the big guys because most defenses, you're going to have situations where the running back gets to the second level, and those linebackers have to bring those players down. That did not happen very often against Arizona. That has to change against San Francisco. Especially against a San Francisco team that you, Lance, have called slippery. It is the perfect adjective for this group. And if they're yeah. a slippery team going against a team that's missing tackles against the Cardinals, you got to clean that up. You got to execute. I mean, so often you see players just kind of looking at this and thinking, oh, let me close it out and thinking about the next play. No, no, no. Finish this one first. Finish this one. Get the guy to the ground. Um, the Giants official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV, brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct Big Blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire TV and on the Giants mobile app. 201-939-4513. Anthony in Phoenix is on the line. Anthony, you're on with Lance and Madeline. Good afternoon, guys. How are you doing? Doing Doing well. How are you? Wonderful, especially after that. The way we played the second half, (laughs) you got to love it. It just shows us what what we're capable of. Absolutely, and I can imagine, especially for you out there, surrounded by Cardinals fans in Phoenix. Well, we got we got a band out here. Don't don't think that everybody came from out of town. Oh, I I've saw. I've been going to games out here for twenty four years, and every time the Giants are here, we get good support here, Love which it. is pretty good. Love it. Um, under the 49ers, I, I just want to throw a couple of things out: offense and offense and defense. On offense, I'd like us to take the ball if we get the flip. And we have the option of taking or giving the ball. Most teams are giving the ball away. I'd like to take the ball and let's go. Play fast and loose. Okay, let's just don't play tentative against this team. Come out and go after them. The other thing on defense, look, we just need to play better. We've got to we've got to put pressure on them. We got, Williams has really got to show up. I mean, Dexter was was double teamed most of the game. Williams has got to show up, and Robinson's got to show up. You know, where was was, uh, Nachos? You know, these guys got to show up. Uh, What do we do? I've got a question for you. What do we do with McCaffrey? I'd like to put Pinnock on him. I don't know if that's possible because he's a safety, but you know what? We've got to bring him up. I want him to shadow him. Wherever he goes, Pinnock goes, goes with him. I think he's, he's, he is fast enough, he's big enough, and the way he's playing, it's just, you, you got to love it the way he played on Sunday. Sure. So uh, 
I'll listen to what you guys got to say. We got to give kudos to Azuda. I love what the other guys mentioned earlier. Azuda played his heart out and pitted it too. So did McKinney. I mean, he was all over the field. But you're right. We've got to tackle. We've got to wrap up. If we're not wrapping up, they're going to have a big field day with us. We've got two big problems there with Samuel and McCaffrey. But we really got to, if we can, we're not going to stop McCaffrey. But no, but you can limit the big plays. I, I think that's what you're getting at, Anthony, and appreciate the phone call. You're never going to completely shut down a player, and I don't think any coaching staff goes in thinking that that's going to be accomplished. But you can limit McCaffrey to three- or four-yard runs as opposed to seven- or eight-yard runs. Right. And the reason why that adds up is it goes back to you want opportunities to get after the quarterback. you got to put the Niners in third and longs. Right. Third and sevens, third and eights. If you keep giving them third and threes and third and fours. They're going to run the ball. Yeah, and it also yeah. gives Brock Purdy that much more flexibility in what he can run in Kyle Shanahan. I mean, they could still very well run the ball mm-hmm. on a third and three. They could use Kyle Juszczyk, their fullback, to do something crafty. They get Debo Samuel out in open space. Whereas now if you're telling Brock Purdy it's a third and eight, Okay, he doesn't have the ability and the luxury to do that. So that's what, to me, is the biggest thing. It's the tackling. And that was my biggest takeaway from the Arizona game. Yeah. As much as we can focus on sacks and quarterback hits, if you miss the tackles and you allow James Conner to get rolling, then it's going to be a long day and a long afternoon. And that's exactly what transpired against the Cardinals. You want to hit Christian McCaffrey at the point of attack, and you want to bring him down. Yeah. Because he's a bouncy guy. You know, you hit him initially, and then all of a sudden he finds a crevice or a crack, and it becomes an explosive play. The Niners, they thrive on situations like that. Matt, and they thrive on situations where it looks like they're going to get two yards, and in the blink of an eye, it turns into sometimes a 20-yard gain. We've seen that already against the Steelers, right. and we saw it against the Rams as well. Well, and that's kind of bringing it back to the point that you made earlier, is that this week, this week of walkthroughs leading up to this Thursday night game, is really about getting back to the fundamentals, getting back to the basics of the game, getting back to executing, and not trying to do anything fancy, and not trying to get on a highlight reel, just executing your position, doing, you know, to use the Belichick phrase, do your job and do it well. And that's what this team needs to really get down to. And that is how they will find their way into takeaways, into sacks in bunches, into execution. If they just execute and do their assignment against this team, not easy to do, but it's something that that's that's the challenge at hand. Well, and the other thing I think that you're looking at if you're the Giants is, and this goes back to the last caller's point, I don't know if it comes down to needing the football first, but you don't want to dig yourself in the last two holes. Sure. Right? I mean, they fell big down against the Cowboys, and then the same thing happened against Arizona. And while it was fun to watch that comeback for all Giants fans, right, you don't want to have to put yourself in that position all over again because, like I said, San Francisco is cut from a very different cloth than Arizona. It's one thing to do that against a Cardinals team that I think – needed to rely on some of those explosive plays down the stretch and really didn't have anybody that they could turn to. Sure. The Niners, they can turn to sure. a playmaker who can flip the script and flip the field position. So you can't go down 10, 15, nothing no. like that. And it doesn't even have to come as a result of a turnover, Madeline. I'm just talking about fundamentally you're not playing good defense. Sure. The yeah. Niners march up and down the field. They score a touchdown and a field goal, whatever it may be. And now you've got to all of a sudden try to climb out of that. 
you don't want to put yourself in that position against a team like San Francisco. And you just don't want to put yourself in a position to have to climb out of a hole in back-to-back weeks, too, because that takes a lot. That takes a lot. Well, be three straight mentally. weeks. Right. Well, two. three. Yeah. yeah. Well, I don't know. I think <laughs> it's know. two. That first three, they didn't do any climbing. Like, they were they were there. Understandable. Um, but you know what? You don't want to be in that deficit in the in this point against a team like San Francisco. You want to be in the fight. It, ideally, you want to be playing from ahead if you can get some offense or some productivity going early. Um, but the more you can do early, the more you're you're in this fight. And it will also be interesting to see whether or not they look to push the football down the field yeah. earlier in the game in this contest. Right, yeah. Do they take that out of the toolbox earlier, or do they kind of wait until a necessity? Do they come out swinging? Yeah, because— If you're, if you're Brian Dable, if you're Mike Kafka, if you're this coaching staff, do you say, all right, first play of the game, you know, 60-yard bomb to Jalen Hyatt? It doesn't hurt to try to catch the Niners' defense off guard or give them something to think about, especially since Saquon is not on the field. Because, once again, if you choose the methodical method, if you're not getting what you need on the ground and you're facing the third and eights and third and nines that I talked about, Madeline, to me, you're playing right into the hands of the Niners. And also just if Saquon is not on the field, because as Brian Dable said in his plot twist today, (laughs) they're taking it all the way up to Thursday night. It's going to be a game time decision for Saquon Barkley. Uh, Left tackle Andrew Thomas and linebacker Azizo Jolario also coming down to game time decisions Thursday against the Niners. Uh, those hamstrings are tricky ones, but we'll see how it all goes down. Thursday night primetime, Thursday night football, a short week for the Giants. That's our show today. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live with Madeline Burke and Lance Meadow. Let us know what you thought. Hashtag Giants chat at Madeline Burke at Lance Meadow, M-E-D-O-W. Um, Big Blue Kickoff Live, part of the Giants platform, podcast platforms everywhere and Giants.com slash podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll see you next time. This is where projects come to life. Our showrooms are designed to inspire with the latest products from top brands, curated in an inviting, hands-on environment, and a team of industry experts to support your project. We'll be there to make sure everything goes as planned, from product selection to delivery coordination. At Ferguson Bath, Kitchen, and Lighting Gallery, your project is our priority. Find great brands like Kohler at your local showroom or visit us online at ferguson.com build. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 